Hey there, you're listening to Battles with Bits of Rubber with Todd DeBrasini and Stuart Bray. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. How was your archery? We had fun. Boys shooting arrows today. Yeah, it was good. Uh, getting all primer with it. Well, it's one of those things I've had. I've had. A, I've had bows for years, and I've got three or four tucked away, and I we haven't used them for a while because the boys haven't been big enough or interested enough or uh, sane enough for me to give them <laughs> a projectile <laughs> weapon. Um, but uh, the weather was good. The garden's big enough, and uh, we had a whole bunch of cardboard boxes. But it went through those and through the wood behind it. It was awesome. So yeah, it was good fun. <laughs> Outstanding. So we've had some interesting uh, responses and, and questions and emails and messages and stuff. So I thought it would be good to, because I haven't been very good at putting these into the podcast. I'm, you're probably the same. I, I noticed that we we reply by email, but we kind of always forget to turn them into stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it would be good to do a little uh, episode on that. And we got some some lovely comments. So I'll jump straight in. Although I will just, I got distracted. I was uh, putting the notes together for the for the next episode. And I was looking Ooh. through, I've got a whole bunch of Gorzones and Fangorias, and I'm kind of going to copy the font and the layout style it, it, because it's heck yeah, it's quite dated. It's a kind of um, Times New Roman, you know, in three columns and uh, just a, like a big primary colors around the photos and very simple layout, really. But um, I was thinking it'd be quite fun to sort of do that rather than get too flashy on the inside. So I've got all my gauzos out and I started looking through them. I was like, no, <laughs> took me right back. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, I love it. Right. So questions. Oh, firstly, um, thanks to uh, Chris Tankersley for our voice intro. That was kind. Yeah, he and he and I actually had a, a real nice uh, Instagram chat yesterday. Uh, he lives down in Mobile, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he had he he had listened to our our latest podcast about you know getting work in the shops and and he thought uh the comment about the the guys that i knew at at vfx shops in la uh hoarding all of the really really awful demo reels and and watching them all together while they're drinking beer and eating pizza he thought that was hilarious (laughs) which was which was 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 kind of the point, you know, if, if your reel is so bad that people would want to do that, you should maybe think twice before sending it out to try and get work from it because some of those guys could be can be stone cold and, you know, they, they don't have any vested interest in, in your success. They're not going to give a shit. Yeah. Whether they hurt your feelings or not. Yeah. Well, we had a, he had, he, he had but, a couple of messages were saying like, "Oh, was that saying that you did that?" And it was in the in the podcast. No, it was not to, me. It was about it was about the team. It's more it's more about, which is you know horrible actually to hear, but it's, I, I guess it does happen. But it's but it's a reality. Yeah. It it you know I don't know if it still happens, but it it did then. You know I haven't done visual effects uh, animation since since the late nineties. Yeah. When I when I made the switch because you know I, I like being able to I'm a tactile person I like to touch the stuff I'm working on, mm. but anyway Chris had had made a, another comment, um, after saying he thought that was funny he was wondering if if you get a reel that is really outstanding, 
would you pass that reel along or would you just simply hire somebody? And I told him, you know, if I was in the position to hire them, you know, if we, if we could afford it and had the work, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if we weren't hiring and the reel was definitely hire worthy, I would for sure pass it along and try to help whoever's reel it was get some work because I think it would be uh really stupid not to do so yeah yeah i guess it cuts both ways um but yeah it's just that um yeah bad news does travel far (laughs) (laughs) so try not to be bad news yeah yeah um yeah okay so questions left in our voice message just in case you weren't aware on our website uh, you can leave a voicemail you'll see a tab on the right hand side that says leave us a voicemail uh, and you click on that and it'll take you to the, the page there uh, but you can send us a question say hi or as chris did leave us a new intro for the show so question one was from kiri and he asked about sculpting in wet clay this is kiri just wanted to ask actually so i'm using wet clay for the first time making my little baby yoda as a portfolio piece now, I'm, because I've got the kids in lockdown, I'm not going to sculpt as quickly or as much as I'd like to. What would you recommend as a way to stop it from cracking? I'm already covering it with a wet cloth and getting it quite damp before before I cover it up. But I'm still finding like, in some of the thinner areas it's still cracking. Or is there a way to sort of recover back from that hardened wet clay to sort of get the life back into it without losing too much detail? Thank you. And wet clay is one of those clays that doesn't tend to dry out that quick. That's kind of the whole point of it, wasn't it? No, it's because it's got it has has glycerin uh, mixed in with it, so it's not just mm-hmm. water clay; it's water and glycerin, uh, which you know glycerin takes much longer to dry out. So that's why wed clay has become a preferred uh, medium for doing clay walls for mold making or for doing large scale um, maquette sculpting because the glycerin keeps the clay viable much longer and if it starts drying out what what i do is i i will do a 50 50 solution in a little spritzer bottle with with glycerin and water and rather rather than just spraying water on the clay i'll i'll do a glycerin water mix and when i'm done for the day with it i'll make sure that i'll do that then put wet paper towels try to wrap as much around it and then cover it with plastic uh, if you can you want to try to get it as airtight as possible um, but it'll with the gl- if you add more glycerin to it it's going to stay real viable it's just that the thinner areas like like ears i think um kiri said he was doing yeah, gonna be tough, a baby cool, yoda sculpture for a portfolio really piece <laughs> yeah the the ears are going to dry so if you, you know one thing you can also do on your, if your sculpture's got real thin thin areas like that is Keep those wrapped with something damp. You don't want to use wet because that gets the clay all sloppy. Though when you wrap for the day, you know, wetter is better than drier. Um, but you can keep keep the those thin ears wrapped with a damp paper towel while you're working on thicker areas of the of the sculpture. Cool. And then go back to the ears. That that'll help keep them out. But it's you know, it is after all the water clay so even if it dries out it'll reconstitute itself yeah. if you if you Amazing. get it wet i mean i i've had experience of like you know sculpting like that you know spritzing it down with water and that's what i've always done but i really like that uh, glycerin trick that is not something i considered 
That's really cool. I'm glad you, you brought that up. It, it, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Uh, I'm just going to look up this. Um, so I called, I got in touch with Amelia Rowcroft, who is a sculptor. If you haven't seen, you should look her up. Amelia Rowcroft, oh, R-O-W-C-R-O-F-T cool. is her surname. Uh, she's got a fantastic um, page on. She also does online classes too, doesn't she? She does, yeah, yeah. Well, her website's Amelia uh, com, and she is on Instagram too. So if you want to go check out Amelia on there, so Amelia Rowcroft sculpture. She does gorgeous likenesses. Um, find. Sorry, I'll just try and dig out on what her username is on. I think it. Instagram. I think it's Amelia Rowcroft. Maybe it's got Amelia Rowcroft art. Yeah, it is. Am- Amelia Rowcroft sculpture. There we go. Yeah, and she's on there. And you should see her stuff. It's absolutely outstanding. Anyway, I, I gave her a call uh, to see if she'd be happy to chat on the podcast and just uh, leave her wisdom on the message, uh, her, her wisdom as a message. And I thought I'd just play that here now uh, in response to Kira's question. So, yeah, when I'm working with water-based clay, which is what I use most of the time, you just have to remember to spray it from time to time using like a plant spray or just an ordinary water spray that you can get in a homeware shop. And then when I'm going to wrap up for the evening, I'll just spray it and then wrap it in plastic. Or if it's getting really dry, wrap it with some cotton rags and make sure it is cotton because that's much more absorbent than if you like rip up an old sheet and you find it's nylon. It doesn't actually hold the water in it. Mm -hmm. So you can do that. But then if you've got like down to quite a high level of detail and you don't want to put rags on it because it really squashes out all the details, you can just wrap it in cling film first and then put the rags over that, and then put the bag over it, and that will stop it drying out as well. Fabulous. And what about when you've had stuff that you've un- accidentally has dried out because you got waylaid on something, and you find it's cracked a bit? Is there a way of saving a, a sculpt that has started drying, or is that it once it's Yeah, dry? totally. Just If you just get some cotton rags again, really soak them, wrap it around, because like, you know, when you're sculpting something on a small scale, little arms and legs get dry really easily, and they can crack. But if you just really soak up some cotton rags and wrap it around it and just then put the plastic over it, leave it overnight, and hopefully when you come back, the cracks will disappear, it will be squidgy again, and you can remodel it. Fabulous. That's perfect. Have a good afternoon. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. 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 You too. Bye. Whale oil beef hooked. Hello. Harry Hindsight here. Although it didn't occur to us at the time, here are a couple more points which are worth pointing out. We were talking about Kiri's wet clay baby Yoda sculpture and how to keep the ears from drying out as he worked on it for a portfolio piece. And it occurred to me well after the fact that, one, ear armatures would help, you know, wire around the perimeter with aluminum foil filling the frame. That wouldn't really prevent the clay from still drying out, but it would add support structure beneath the clay that may help hold the ears in place better and longer if they do dry out. And two... If he's doing a life-size Baby Yoda sculpture, which means small, and he's doing it in wed clay, he may well be shooting himself in the foot, because in order to get skin detail of any kind, the clay needs to be leathery, which would mean the ears, being thin, would be in danger of drying out at all times. So wed clay isn't really the best choice for doing small sculptures. Don't know why it didn't occur to us at the time to say anything about that, because it's so obvious. Anyway, back to the podcast. As you were, carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've noticed when I cool. when I use paper towels and I peel a paper towel off the next morning when I when I'm ready to start sculpting, I've got that nice paper towel texture <laughs> in the in the clay. It's like okay, you know, if, 
Yeah. It's not bad. It's kind of like a glad press and seal has a has a texture on it that actually works yeah, really well as a as a skin texture. Some of the some also, of the paper towel the textures actually could could pass as a as a skin texture. Oh, amazing. Well, we don't we don't really have glad rag in the uh, glad rag. <laughs> <laughs> Glad rags. We don't have glad rags. We don't have glad wrap here. It's something I've seen. I've used it in the States because my sister-in-law, you know, lives in Dallas and we've been over there. I've, I've used that. And it's amazing, isn't it? Because you just yeah. wrap it over the tops of things and it makes it watertight. But uh, yeah, cling film or something like that would be good. So uh, yeah, hopefully all that combined is a, is a reasonable response to that question, Kiri. Thank you very much for leaving that message. And hopefully that goes some way to helping you out with that. Uh, question two, uh, Maria in Venezuela. Uh, now she just as a note, she apologizes for her English in her message. Her English like, is terrific. Fantastic. She speaks amazingly well. She so, has an uh, accent, so, but uh, she's very easy to understand. Yeah. Hello, I am Maria de Fonseca from Caracas, Venezuela. My question for you is about uh, alcohol palettes. That kind of materials, um, there is no here. I have to buy them in the United States uh, through Amazon, something like that. They are very expensive. I need to make the best invest that I can. That's why I'm asking you if you can give me some guy to choose. And I want to learn something and practice with alcohol palette, but there's a lot. And I don't know, um, what to buy, I need guy. If you can give me any idea about a good palette to start, I need to really be careful at choosing. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, bye-bye. I think she was also concerned about the, the liquid to activate them because it's really hard to get 99% alcohol uh, in Venezuela as well. So what right, right, what might yeah. be some alternatives we could could suggest for that? Okay, well uh, let's start with the um, with the with the colors the the palettes. I mean my my four big palettes are the standard skin tone, you know Caucasian skin tone. That's just I don't even I think, if it's called yeah, the skin I think tone. It's on the just it's, it's just, just skin the original skin illustrator palette. The, you know yeah. So that one and it has like the rice paper and the rose adjuster yeah. and the olive adjuster. That one's a good one if you're see the question as to which one you should have it depends on the on the tone of skin that you'll be working on mostly so you know if if the if you're surrounded by a lot of pale people that one that caucasian one's very very good obviously if if there's more darker skin to be working on i would recommend getting the dark skin palette too um but those are skin kind of adjusty colors which are really good for appliance mm -hmm. work but if you're going to do stuff straight onto skin, you might not need that many skin colors, in which case I would say probably the effects palette is probably a good choice. Because um, it has primary colors uh, in it and you can actually do some some custom mixing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in answer to her question about which one, if you're only going to get one, I'd say get the effects palette because I think that has the most range of, of, of color. And that's the one I tend to use the most. Uh, on skin and and pieces, um, but if you're adjusting prosthetics, I, I'd be I'd be stuck between maybe the complexions. That's, I love that one. The scanner, yeah, that is a good one. So what do we write in 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 in, in response to your question, then Maria, 
in in hierarchy order of which I think is the best ones for you to buy. First off, the effects palette, then the complexions palette, and then depending if you're doing appliance work, probably the darker skin palette and the Caucasian, you know, the standard skin tone. But I reckon the effects palette, in answer to your question, is be the one my those choice. are those are my reckon? my four four favorites. Excellent. Okay. Well, that's cool. And then alternatives. What would you say? Um, and is a, you know, I don't know if if seventy percent alcohol is any easier to get. Um, it's it's I it's not preferred. You know, uh, if you can get ninety nine, that's going to activate it much better. But PPI has a as an activator solution that yeah. I, I maybe there's some some alcohol in it, uh, but it doesn't have that real strong ninety nine percent. No, smell. it's not as aggressive. So is it? you know, I don't no, know if that's no. any easier to to ship to South America than than alcohol. Mm. But in a pinch, I'd, I'd say maybe maybe try and doing some some creams. And you had mentioned uh, maybe medical medical uh spirit to liquefy some creams i don't know if 244 is available so, yeah surgical spirit yeah surgical yes yeah surgical spirit because that's less to thin uh cream makeups as an alternative to using alcohol colors entirely if you can't get those yeah the surgical spirit is 70 percent alcohol i think but it also has a drop of castor oil yeah. in it so it's quite nice to use with uh you know, grease paints, cream makeup. It's not as durable. Yeah, I suppose you could it, could use straight castor good. oil as well. I guess you could, yes. And that's going to be easier to find. Um, and the other thing I thought might be good would be to use uh, water-based makeups mm -hmm. like Aquacolor for with from Kryolan. I don't know. There must be a Ben Nye. Yeah, Ben Nye's got some yeah. got some uh, water cakes also that are that are really nice, and you can use their Final Seal. Um, yes. Or uh, Mayron has a mixing liquid, just called mixing liquid, that okay. use either of those in, instead of water. And then you've got a pretty much smudge proof when it dries. You know, it's 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 not coming off until you take it off. Oh, that's good to know. And what about the, I mean, I've used years ago on uh, Brothers Grimm, we used um, Liquiset. Which yeah, is, same, uh, same, like same concept. Liquid. Yeah, and I think I think that might be a Ben Nye product. And you mix that with the water-based makeup, and it turns it into basically a liquid. So you buy the makeup as a cake, so it's not a, a you know a spill hazard to ship. So that might be a good thing. Yeah, it's non-toxic in places where they don't want to ship. It's not toxic. And then when you get it, you can use a liquid set to activate it. Use it just like water, but then it dries, and then it's really durable. And we used it around the eyes um, because it was not there were no fumes right. in it so it didn't set anything off so you could work right up to the eyes with it but when it dried it was very, very I think durable. the Ben Nye final so, seal may have alcohol in it so it might be a pain maybe. To, it's not to as ship. aggressive though is it and it's quite minty it's got a nice fresh smell um, yeah but the I don't think the Mayron mixing liquid has any alcohol in it so that may be much easier to yeah. to acquire for overseas yeah, yeah. shipping. That's a good point. I mean, this is an interesting time with regards to shipping. I mean, our postal service at the moment is very restricted. There's a lot of 
post offices like a lot of like i haven't really shipped any i can't ship any mold orders or anything like that so um it's all kind of clammed up on that front but it's it's an interesting point that it never used to be a big deal to ship flammable stuff but it's becoming more Mm -hmm. of an issue nowadays isn't it and i think there are certain things that we take for granted which if you have to get stuff flown in specially i should imagine the demand for you know those kinds of things in venezuela is not as common you know is anywhere else so there isn't that kind of easily greased wheels of commerce for that so it's hard to get yeah i used a lot of um uh temp to uh alcohol paints for the enemy god the the, the picture i did down in belize uh, back in 2007 and because of the fam flammable stuff we had to ship it down like a month month and a half ahead of our shooting schedule just to make sure it would arrive okay because it it had to go by by truck right. and by boat to stop off at various to get there along the way yeah okay. yeah so you just gotta gotta do some if, okay do some so it plan. might be a case of yeah if you're going to get uh, an illustrator palette or an alcohol palette the effects palette if you can find the solvent but if you can't that's a good alternative is to maybe try something that isn't alcohol based but gives you the ability to do nice layering and washes but when the, then when it's dry it's durable or you seal it to make it durable and those things are not flammable so they're easier to kind of get if, if the flammable thing is what's stopping it from being shipped easy uh, but it might be worth trying to get in touch with ppi direct and see if they have any suppliers that ship there because there may be a store or something around there that has something like it or that they would or do you know what I mean or they may ship to a country that's closer mm-hmm. to it that can or they may have a dis- may yeah may have nearer. a supplier somewhere else like in yeah, Brazil people will know who their suppliers are so they'll be you know better placed to to recommend that anyway Maria I hope that is of some use oh one thing I would say about the pallets is if you can get the onset pallets they're like smaller versions they'll be less expensive than um the full size palettes. The full size palettes are good. There's less. Yeah, them, and they come in. They come in the same. The same brands. Same yeah, same colors, color. but they're just smaller, and they're they're nice because they fit in like a cargo pants pocket, which is fantastic for being on set because you can stuff you know a bunch of colors in your pockets without having to carry these big full size palettes. <laughs> um, much as I love them, um, but they're you know when you've got like eight of them, it's just, you can't really move very easily with the, the damn things. Very yeah. cool. Um, looking at some. Uh, some video comments um which i'll just read out there's a couple jerry jeffrey warren park has been busy he's been replying at length uh, to some of our stuff which is really cool he yeah he made a re- great comment he did there was a really good one about um the airbrush you remember we did uh i did uh cheap airbrushes for cat plastic the video number one which was like a cheap you know uh at, you know yep. little um external mixing airbrush with a Siphon yeah, those, um, those coiled hoses those are coiled a hoses. pain in the ass. Yeah, and that was my thing. I was like, oh, the only thing is they come with these coiled hoses, which are cheap hoses. But because they're coiled, I guess to save space, but they just end up cleaving everything across the desk. And <laughs> if you let go of the airbrush, it's it's strong enough to pull the airbrush across the room. So that's no good. Um, but he says uh, a couple of things. First off, this brush appears to be almost identical to the Badger 350 single action airbrush. I'm not sure which brand came first, the typical chicken and egg paradox, but they seem to both the same so it probably is it probably just knocked out the mold some little company that but i've noticed yeah. a lot of the um the airbrushes uh compressors that i got that were cheap were almost identical you know they were identical to the water ones but they were made you know they, they say made in china on them but i suspect right. i suspect the original iwata ones are probably made in the same factory they just have an iwata badge stuck on them 
and they cost five times as much because that's just the power of a of a brand i don't know um but he said uh, second of all all hope is not lost with the included nylon hose while the initial coil in the hose is annoying it can be undone which i didn't realize i didn't even think about this they just coil it like that for the convenience of packaging. Start up by unwrapping it as much as possible, apply a light amount of tension to it, and then warm the hose with a hairdryer, or, or get someone to use a hairdryer. This will release the tension in the hose, allow it to cool at room temperature. Most, if not all, of the coiling will instantly be done. That's brilliant. Such a simple thing. I didn't yeah. even thought about that. And now I feel stupid for not even thinking that. But um, there you go. He says, don't use a heat gun because it's going to be too much heat. It'll melt the hose, and don't put too much tension on it because you'll knacker it anyway. So thank you, Jeffrey. That is yeah. awesome. This is what I love. About, you put a video up, you know, you've got a certain angle you're looking at and other people chip in with, oh, what about this? What about that? No, oh, that's a really good point. So thanks. This is what it's all about. I love it. Sorry, I'm all waffling. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on uh, episode number 54, Approaching Workshops, I think you got the list there about, uh, he left mm -hmm. six. Well, I trimmed it down because he left some very extensive answers. He left six good points. I don't know if you want to read those out, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to have yeah, read sure. the whole comment out because it's about a page. Well, let's let's do paper. every other one. I'll I'll start out, and then you take the next one. Sure. So number one, try to avoid name dropping as much as possible. While it's important to know as much as you can about the history of the makeup industry and who's who, don't try to act like you're personally the best of buddies with them, and never badmouth anyone. True. They're tempting those. Excellent points. <laughs> Very good point. Num <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I, I draw a little blood when I, when I have to bite my lip to <laughs> keep from saying stuff. But start from bleeding out. And sometimes I don't. Uh, Number two. But yeah, it's name dropping. Just, just makes you sound like a dick. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, oh yeah, I was I was chatting with Rick and. And Dick and and Bill and it's you know really no it's don't do good. it. Uh, number two, never ever lie about your work. That's a very good point. Make sure all the work in your portfolio is your own, because if you show anything and it was a collaborate effort, just make sure you give credit where credit's due. So if you've done something where you just did, and I've seen that before where people have a beautiful picture of you know this finished head, and they go, yeah, I just did the eyebrows. It's like, well, you should say that, because otherwise I'm going to assume you sculpted it and molded it and painted it. And, you know, um, it's Yeah, good and if you, if you try to pass off, pass off someone else's work as your own, you're going you're gonna to get found out, and the results are never good. No, so don't do that. <laughs> uh, number three, quality over quantity rules. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. A few extremely good examples of your work will get you more notice than a thousand bad photos of mediocre work. Absolutely. When I was teaching visual effects, I would always tell my students, I'd rather look at a at a demo reel that's 30 seconds long and is, got, is killer than something that's five minutes long that makes me want to stab myself in the eye. <laughs> uh, number four. Uh, keep your portfolio to a manageable size. Manageable size, A3 or A4. What would the American equivalent be? That A3 is like eight by ten. It's like letter size. Uh, sorry, A4. Yeah, A4, A3 A4 is, is yeah, A4 is like a six by nine. Yeah, I think it's it's like a standard letter size. Yeah, and yeah. So what would they? Yeah, doesn't doesn't have to be doesn't have to be big. No. So two of those side by side. What, it you, just has to be clear. I think two goal zones side by side. But yeah. What do I? That's too much math. Uh, but yeah, keep it to a good size because otherwise it's just too big. I mean, I had when I was at art school, we used to have A1, you know, those massive architect size 
uh, folios. Um, uh, and they, yeah, I've still got a few. I used those for, for hauling paintings around. Yeah. Well, we had to do like, you know, big charcoal drawings. So they, they encourage you to draw big things. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's not That's, practical in a workshop often to come in. Well, maybe a small office or the corner no. of a desk or something. And then you come in with this massive, you know, small plantation size <laughs> panel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just, just move that bicycle girl sculpture out of the way. We don't need that here. Let me, oh, God, let me can you imagine knocking something off? Just <laughs> spread my stuff out to see. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I knocked it off with my folio because it, it has to double in size when you open it. So it becomes even bigger Oof. yeah number five dress professionally i don't mean you need to wear a three-piece suit but be clean neat and presentable it's a really good point you know you you don't get to wear the team uniform until you're a member of the team you know so if the guy that's interviewing you is wearing surf shorts a hawaiian shirt and flip-flops doesn't mean that's how you show up for the interview look presentable yeah i think that's the thing is it? it's just to look like you you are in command of yourself and you can get dressed properly <laughs> just to sort of show that you can function uh isn't like a kind of a formal i know it, it depends because everyone's going to be different where you go but yeah you you you're unlikely to upset somebody by dressing reasonably but if you it depends on the job you're going for if you're if you're interviewing for a front office position you don't want to dress like you're going to be part of the custodial staff. <laughs> but if you're but if you're interviewing for part of the custodial staff, you don't have to dress like you're the CEO. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, I, I tend to be quite scruffy and, and messy in what I wear uh, anyway. But it, it's a different thing, like you say, when you go to an interview, because it's a different kind of situation. But, yeah, it's something to consider anyway. Uh, and um, number six, and finally, uh, are we up to six? Yeah, we did. Yeah, I think we yeah, are. Number six. Uh, number six. And finally, never claim you know everything about anything. Try to be humble no matter what your skill level may be, which is, I guess, a, a fair... I mean, although I think most people's positions when they go to interviews are are probably one of minor terror. But I think what <laughs> I think what, um, what Jeffrey is sort of pointing out is just kind of just keeping that sort of level of yeah. politeness. Air on the and, side of caution. Ca yeah, but cautious. You know, sen sensible caution rather than overly familiar although you know sometimes when i'm nervous you can be a little bit more kind of loud or jokey or do you know what i mean inappropriate or something you might be you might make a joke about stuff where you're like your job's just to shut up i don't know so but uh, i tend to fart when i'm nervous <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i know how to clear a room yeah hopefully not the room we're trying to get a job in <laughs> unless that's the job Amazing. So thank you, Jeffrey. You've been um, very, very diligent on that. If you read through those, there's uh, quite some extensive answers on there, which is cool. Uh, Jeffrey's a good guy. Yeah, man. It's, 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 he's been following our stuff for a while, and uh, it's always nice when people do leave comments. And um, yeah, well, I guess the thing is with YouTube, but people used to leave uh, a lot of comments on the blog, but people don't tend to leave comments on blogs anymore. Most of the comments I'm getting on the blog are like auto-generated robot ones. Oh, I enjoy the content immensely that you produced. You should do more of this writing. Have you heard about these new tablets that make you lose weight? And it's like, well... It's really odd, that kind of thing. So that's that's most of the comments I get, and I filter them all off now, so that most of them get bent. Yeah, about how great Bitcoin is. There you go, and it probably is, but it's just not really the forum of the place. But yeah, it's funny. But um, so uh, yeah, a lot of people can leave comments now because the podcast goes up on the YouTube channel. Um, if you want to leave comments there, it's quite a nice place to leave comments. Although sometimes the comment section of videos can be a cesspool of stupidity. <laughs> some of them. Uh, we have a good one from Josh. Hey, I resent that. <laughs> 
We have a nice one from Josh Glynn. Um, and this was again about uh, episode number 54. Thank you for this. He says, starting university in September, this stuff has been in my mind quite a bit. The brutal, frank nature of this is so helpful in making me think about and preparing me for what to expect. Now, he had a question which was, I don't know if this is true at all, but to me, there seems to be an element of safety working in an effects studio, more so than being a freelance artist. And I, I thought at first he meant, like, health and safety, like wearing a hard hat. And I, it's what he meant, obviously, was, because um, I'm stupid, what he meant was, is there a security, like job security in a workshop, whereas freelancing is more on-set stuff? And I pointed out to him that, that, that it's all freelance. You don't tend to get yeah. full-time staff in the workshop. If there's nothing being made, there's nothing for you to make, so you're not hired. So very rarely do you find full-time positions rarely. in workshops. Only, only at the at the very top in in uh, overall supervisory capacities will you find full-time job security. Yeah, it's and then even then maybe even not. You know, you know, it's it's and it's this. It's not just uh, makeup effects. It's visual effects. It's any any of the crafts involved in making movies and TV shows you know when when the when the show's done unless they're going straight into the next episode or you know it's it's something that is ongoing you know every start looking for your next gig when when the gig you're on is halfway halfway through because you don't want to you don't want to have a lull between paychecks yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a strange uh, place because I remember working at the BBC when it was called BBC Visual Effects was the name of the department and it wasn't it wasn't digital computery stuff it was just the name of everything that was made so like there was a there was a magician called Paul Daniels which I don't know if anyone in the states will have heard of but he was very big in the uh, 70s and 80s in the UK and he had a big magic show that was on like a Saturday night and so he would have you know the traditional old school magician stuff cutting and somebody in half and all this kind of stuff and all, a lot of the cabinets and the actual physical props were made in the visual effects department and they were they were making some stuff for one of his magic shows when i was there for the first time and i worked on a, barry gower was there at the same time we'd not long left college we, we graduated the same year and we were working at the bbc visual effects department which is uh, i think it's now it's a retail park or something they've you know just turned into that <laughs> but uh it was um this big sort of warehouse where they built uh, you know all the Red Dwarf stuff, all the all the ships Red Dwarf, um, and they were building Crichton's suit at the time, I think. And uh, yeah, we were working on a show called Cows, which was a, a comedy um, pilot that never took off. Uh, you can look it up on YouTube. You look up Eddie's Eddie, Eddie's Art's Cows. Look it up on YouTube. It, it's it's pretty <laughs> bad, but but it was a brave thing that he wrote, and he you know pushed it and made it all himself and everything and you know eddie has been very successful so it's a good example of someone who just keeps pushing keeps pushing keeps working do you know what i mean if you if you do a lot of things some of the things you do are going to be terrible so you know <laughs> yeah but so yeah, it's it's playing the law of average yeah and, and not being so disheartened by it some something's gonna stick eventually but it was cool but i was there we, you know we were building stuff and uh, they were doing stuff for silent witness and all this kind of stuff at visual and it was all done in-house and we were brought in as freelancers and it was a bit weird being a freelancer there because you were kind of in from the outside it was like the first kind of time then it that that had happened because there were still people who were like you know um, they they had uh, tenure they were you know bbc guys and um uh, you know none of that's there now it's all just everything's freelance so i was kind of there at the tail end of the bbc disintegrating into the freelance world and it's kind of sad that that's the, the way it is but um but there we go so yeah there isn't any 
full-time positions really in the workshop it's, it's as much a freelance job as being on set the only difference is i guess is that being on set is a different kind of work in that you know you need certain kind of people on set because there's a different there's yeah. a different thing a different culture on a set with lots of different departments are working than there is in a workshop where it tends to be insular inside that building so it's a different thing well i think this is a good example of why it's important to be able to wear more than one hat well yeah. to to have to have certain amount of skill in in different areas so that you can keep working maybe maybe the the job you were doing goes away when the work stops but you're capable of doing something else for them yeah. in a capacity that they need so being able to do more than one thing well can can go a long way to helping keeping you employed i think yeah no i agree i mean it's it's a weird one because i think a lot of people who may go to a college won't know whether they're the kind of people that would thrive on set until they're in that position or around it to see and it's it's not one of those things you get a taster for i mean for me personally i like being on you know going to set to what you go to the makeup trailer or the makeup room to do the application which sometimes can be three four five six hours or whatever so you start silly yeah. o'clock and you you know you work long hours and then you go on to set. silly o'clock silly o'clock <laughs> and then you go to then you go to set and then typically you're just hanging around for a long long time and then it's really exciting for the, like the first hour and then the next 12 hours are just it's a lot dull. of hurry up and wait yeah, a lot of hurry up and wait so for me i found out the hard way that actually i don't particularly enjoy being on set i like the 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 sort of the the panic of getting the thing done and stuck on and then it's just maintenance mm -hmm. and waiting for something to go wrong and then just try not to eat too much and then you know a lot of standing around and the novelty wears off pretty quick and some people thrive on that and love being around all of that and some people just can't stand it and i think i'm i'm designed for the workshop that's my natural environment and i can yeah put i'm, up I'm i've got stuff, become but. more that way i my I, you know i think my days of feeling feeling okay about getting up at 4 30 to be on on set you know that's that shit's for for younger people <laughs> It hurts for too long now to get up. Yeah, um, no. But yeah, so so yeah, there, there, there's no security there. <laughs> there's no security anywhere, anywhere. I don't know. Uh, you know, the 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 days of 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 you know our job for life are, are long gone. There we go. Um, the dude left a nice message. Um, the, dude. the dude. That's an awesome. Does he abide? <laughs> this is such valuable information. He says, most makeup schools don't even teach you stuff. They teach you how to make business cards, how to make a folio, how to do well in an interview, but that's it. <laughs> Another thing I'd add is proper set etiquette, which leads back to what we were saying about, you know, having the right uh, attitude on set. But that yeah. comes, you don't just find yourself on set. It's not like you, you roll up with your folio and the next day someone says, cool, I'll see you at 2 a.m. I'm going to leave you in charge of this makeup. It, it, there, there is a pro. You know, there's a filter, and you don't just find yourself on set. Typically, you you have to kind of you are granted that after you've kind of proved you after after you've been checked out. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like someone knocking mm, on yeah. your door, and then immediately you know, say you've never met someone before, you wouldn't give them all your passwords. There's a vetting process to make sure you are set worthy. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. You've you've got to kind of work through that. And I actually talk quite a bit about set etiquette in in. Um, there's it's there's a chapter two maybe in in my book it's one of the early chapters or i think i have a kind of a set set etiquette checklist this one here 
It's in all three of them. <laughs> but yeah, that'll that'll do. Special effects, special makeup effects for stage and screen. Uh, let me go to whether that chapter is. That's a really good point. I think chapter two is all about design. Maybe it's in chapter one. Yeah. Key points: introduction, stage versus screen, contributions for medicine, the workspace, health and safety, professionalism, your kit portfolio. Which one of those would it be? Professionalism. Yeah, that would be it. Page 16. Go dig that out. It's riveting hearing me turning pages. Uh, da, da, da. You do it well. <laughs> there we go. Yes, like you say, it's in your book. Um, professionalism. Working in the entertainment industry is supposed to be fun. We play make-believe for a living and sometimes get paid quite well for it too. However, it is still a business and a certain sense of decorum can and should be maintained while still having a good time. Being well-prepared and well-organized is a good start. Yeah, so that's that's not it. That's just the the, the first passage I've read. That's that's not the entirety of the book. Um, it gets better, but um, uh, yes, it's it, it's it's definitely something to consider. It, uh, show show up nice, and then you can relax after after you've kind of been let in. It's a weird thing, isn't it? About any kind of it's the nature of of of, of a structure, a power structure. You you only and it is a kind of a, a power structure that you're entering when you're yeah. when you when you are appealing to somebody else to be accepted in you are you are, you, you can't climb up you can only be pulled up from someone above you do you know what i mean someone reaches down yeah. and grants you access and pulls you in and so you the only way you can really sort of do that is to be somebody who can be trusted enough to be let in do you know what i mean so, well so much of it is is a matter of just common sense and i know common sense has kind of flown out the window uh, anymore but you know it's, it's, most of it's just simple stuff uh you know if you're a smoker put a mint in before you're up in somebody's face gluing on a nose you know bathe you know if somebody's eyes are going to water you want it to be from a from a menthol blower intentionally rather than the fact that your armpits smell like a compost heap Sorry, that's just really funny. Oh, that's not nice, but it's very... But it's true. It's true. Unless there's a scene where they need to cry. Bring out Steve. He's stinky. <laughs> <laughs> stinky Steve. And uh, <laughs> Chef Hawk left a nice message, the mixture of, of, of digital and practical. And he was saying, this just screens of a new role in industry, a sort of consultant role that liaises between makeup effects and digital effects. The secret to a good shop time. Yeah. I think, it, uh, I, think I could do that job. Thing that might be necessary. So, yeah, Chef Hawk, thank you for that. I think it's a good point, um, but that's 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 the joy I think of. It's it's almost like there's a there's a there's a there's two departments and there's like a middle line that's directly between the two of them, and it's whoever's going to run fastest to that to that middle line gets to gets to have it, and so I think it really it, it's important for practical yeah. people to involve themselves in digital stuff to some degree in order to be able to get closer to that line. And it doesn't mean you have to be doesn't mean you have to be the one who's actually pushing the buttons doing the digital work it just means you need to understand the language so you can communicate effectively yeah. between practical I think because at the digital. end of the day the pro like we said before that the problems are the same problems to be solved it's just a different way of doing it so it's a, a mistake to 
separate them at source yeah. as two completely different disciplines. I think they are in the clumsy practical sense to some degree, but you could also be involved in it. I, I, I do believe that that's totally doable. And I think in years to come, it will be laughable that they were separated departments, you know, just in the same way that you don't have to have a typist now. Yeah. You just learn to type because it's not a separate thing. It's just something everyone should be expected to do. If you need to communicate, you should have a phone. You should know how to use the internet. You should know how to, you know, navigate that as a as a as a form of language. Um, that's not. It's everyone's job to be able to do that. So that's how it works. Yeah. Well, it's it's akin to in in the theater world, hair and makeup right, yes. fall so under the umbrella of costumes. Which on one hand I understand it, but on the other it makes no sense because I don't know a costumer who has time to fuck around with with hair and makeup decisions. They're too busy making but a thousand costumes. did know a bit about costumes. it would make you more capable of increasing the illusion. Because it's weird how the division of labor ends up being, oh, Absolutely. these people do yeah. this and these people do that. It's like, who decided that? It's, it's a weird, some of it's very arbitrary, you know, like... Yeah, because in, in film and television, costumes is completely separate from hair and makeup. Yeah, but also you've had, like we, like the, the Michael Westmore episode we were talking about, and I said, oh, you know, it was all men that did that stuff then. And he was like, yeah, because the union wouldn't let women in. And it's like, I genuinely had no idea that was the case. So you get yeah, these that's weird. very arbitrary divisions and um, uh, taxons, you know, where a category of people is this and that, because that, and you're allowed to do this, you're allowed to do that. And sometimes the, those are good things like with regards to maybe a union thing, like if you do this, you're allowed to do that, but you don't get to go on set and lay your hands on an actor unless you're in the union because that's the rule and there's reasons why that's there. So right. that's a yeah. good I mean, example of a, of a discrimination. The union thing is, is good and bad. Yes. You know, like 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 anything, you know, if, if you are not a grip, don't touch grip equipment yes. or you can, can risk shutting down a production. Yeah. Can you imagine like, like, like pushing a dolly down? I'm just trying to, I'm just tracks. trying to be helpful. Yeah. Just trying to be helpful. <laughs> you see how far that gets you. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes. That, or, or, oh yeah. <laughs> you would don't, don't touch, you don't touch the scaffolding. You don't touch no, the lighting. You don't, you don't no. touch. <laughs> no. You would get destroyed. Uh, so yeah, so that so yeah, there, there are some interesting divisions, but it's that's what I would say. How you know there are some things like you say, what women couldn't be in the union? That's weird, and and other things could be like yeah, you don't touch eyes or do lenses unless you're a lens tech, you know. So so there are very very good distinctions and categories of things, and some that are just like well, and you can see that over time that won't be the case because it just doesn't hold up. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, it's interesting to see that you get those different things and. You know, like with regards to what we were saying earlier about the the set etiquette, and some people are sort of built for that and really thrive on it, and other people you just want to let them out. They're not front house people. You just keep them in the back. <laughs> They're really, really good back there, but you know they might upset people if they come out here. So you know, it's putting people in the right place. And other people are very, very good at um, negotiating and 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 bringing down conflict and reading the room and figuring out what the next problem going to be. But you maybe you wouldn't want them anywhere near a toolbox. Do you know what I mean? So it all depends. The world needs yep. all kinds of stuff and all kinds of people to to make it work. And I guess the job really is to work really hard at whatever you do and pay attention to what you do well at and what you do badly at and try and do the best in everything. But then come to some kind of understanding about where you think you fit in so that you can be your very best at something. Because can you imagine how fucked we'd all be if Einstein refused to do fucking physics and maths because he wanted to be 
you know, a game developer. A like, dude, seriously, <laughs> I, I want to be a short order cook. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And try a bit of everything. You know, if you, if you don't know what you want to do yet, there's nothing that says you have to make a hard decision immediately. Try wearing different hats and see. You may find out that you've got a skill you had no idea you had. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm finding this out doing things that I'm learning uh using like editing software like i'm using audition i use a lot of the adobe stuff and i keep finding new things all the time i'm not saying i have a talent for editing at all but i found that i really enjoy using audition and i remember hating it when i started yeah using I th it. well i think that's a, a big part of being successful in anything is enjoying it yeah and putting in the hours but there's always you know, a dip there's a dip at the beginning where it's really shitty and you get no no good stuff coming back from it but if you can push through it eventually there is a you know, it, it, it tips the other way. And I'm getting a little bit of that with ZBrush. You know, again, I've paid my dues with that for mm -hmm. years trying to crack it. And in the last yeah, couple no, of weeks, I, I, I sort still, of started to... I still suck. <laughs> but you can enjoy it. You can... In, you can. In... I do enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy, I'm enjoying the suck. There you go. <laughs> Wasn't there a movie called that, Enjoy the Suck? Maybe that's not I know, the movie I was well, thinking. A, it was a military thing. An, before everyone says, oh, it's a what movie are you watching? But that could be a porn movie as well, by the sounds of it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm going to wrap this up because I think we're all done with those questions. Um, I'm going to go and uh, edit this up as soon as possible. But um, thank this you. This was a fun conversation. I'm, I'm glad we did this today. I keep thinking of new things and writing them down. It does take a while to do all these. I love doing them, but uh, that's why that's why we don't tend to bang them out every other day because it, it takes me. Yeah, well, this chat today while. got a got a couple of ideas rolling around in my head that I'll I'll write down and, and share with you later. Amazing. Oh, that's cool. But you know what? The ideas come from outside. It comes from you, who's listening. Um, please, please do get yes. in touch. Email us if you don't want your voice to be used. You can just email us at Stuart and Todd at gmail .com or go to the website. Back battleswithbitsofrubber.com and leave a message you'll see uh, a place where you can leave a voicemail you can leave a voicemail message to us on the website all you need is yeah, your phone please. or tablet please more of those and uh, lastly uh, our website uh, our website our YouTube channel which you set up Todd is battleswithbitsofrubber well youtube.com forward slash battleswithbitsofrubber ta-da yay I got there in the end <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right, dude. Uh, I will edit this cool. up, and I'll, I'll probably put the Sean Dead one out in the next couple of days, and this will follow after that. So, yeah, all full on. Sweet. And then we'll be back on the yeah. mic doing another one. All right, dude. Have a good evening. Thanks very much, man. Thanks, you too. Later. Bye. You can get in touch through our Facebook page or email us at stuartandtodd at gmail.com. Check the show notes for more information. If you enjoyed this episode, Tell someone else and help us grow by sharing it on social media. Thanks for listening. I tend to fart when I'm nervous. <laughs>